Well, this morning, um, it is a privilege to introduce our youth pastor, Chris. Come on up, Chris. I fully expected you to come through from behind these amazing props that we've put. Maybe next week. Yeah, with those cheers, I should have. I know. <laughs> like, with lights and some music. I, I should have my own, like... What, I, Your uh, walk-on music. Yeah, my walk-on music. Isn't it like... Yeah, I just remember... Uh, sorry, sorry, non-Seattle Mariners fans, but I remember... That's being everybody, a, right? Yeah, I remember being at a, at a game once, and the closer... The big time closer in the MLB, he had his own theme music, and I was like, I want that. Like, that'd be awesome. <laughs> like, coming out. If I could sing, I would sing and... for you or beatbox when I'm not going to. Oh. I'm just instead going to give you the stage okay. and bless you. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for Chris. Thank you for the work that you have done in his life and for the privilege to hear from him this morning. So, bless him as he shares and bless us as we receive. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, friend. Awesome. Well, it is good to be in front. Sometimes it's good to be behind too. And uh, I'm, I'm glad uh, that I have the opportunity to come up here and share, share the next installment uh, with you. And so in England, 1929, there was a young 20-something that decided... He was going to believe in God. But crazier thing, that it was another two years, 1931, that he decided to give his life away to Jesus. That guy's name is C.S. Lewis. On a, on, a, on a bike, on an outing, I think maybe in England that's what they call it, an outing, he was riding in the sidecar, and, and if you don't know what that is, I think I got the name right, but you know those bikes, and they got the little kit car next, uh, little seat next to it, which I would be totally terrified of riding in, but, but, uh, but he was sitting in that, admiring the English countryside when he was processing his life and thinking about what really mattered and decided, now's the time. Jesus, you can have everything. The interesting thing was this, that when he was 17 years old, he wrote a letter to a friend saying this, I believe in no religion. There is absolutely no proof for any of them. And from a philosophical standpoint, you ready for this? Christianity is not even the best. So how's a guy like C.S. Lewis go from that to giving his life to Jesus? Well, really simply, a person who carries peace. And in C.S. Lewis's case, there were actually three men, three people who carried peace in his life, significant people. Neville Coghill, Hugo Dyson, and J.R.R. Tolkien, who you might know as the author of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings books. They would meet up at the Eagle and Child Pub. Uh, that's, that, that's that picture of it right there, the building. I just found out that they're uh, turning it into a hotel, apparently. So if you ever visit England, you may, uh, in the next couple years, sounds like you'll be able to stay there, not just eat there. So, uh, but uh, they would meet there at this pub and discuss work, life, and faith. 
This morning, we're exploring more in our series, Discovering the Mysteries of the Kingdom. And it's out of this book uh, by Lynn Corey, uh, Jesus Secrets, and, and we're discovering Jesus' not-so-secret secrets. And Jesus' secret of following God's plan is what we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, let's get into it. Luke chapter 10. He's talking to his disciples, and if you're thinking just 12, you're not quite right. You're a little short on the numbers. We're looking at about 70 of his disciples, and he says this, Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. Uh, It wasn't always safe. So it was a, hey, just get to your destination. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eat, drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Amen. Gotta eat. (laughs) Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Knock the dust off your feet, baby. That's essentially what Jesus was saying. And this isn't the main part of our message this morning. The thing that I think the Lord has for us. But we have to talk about this. We can't ignore it. And so let's talk about this whole dust thing. What's up with that? Our focus is on the peace aspect, right? But there's some really harsh words connected to this dust dust feet things. So first off, it was a sign of judgment. If you need a little bit of affirmation with that, Acts 13 verse 51, Paul and Barnabas, uh, the narrator of, of that story explains to the reader what is going on there, but they knock the dust off their feet after sharing Jesus with the group of people. But it wasn't all the people that were present, just a certain group. Secondly, and that's where this part comes in, we need to remember who these disciples were sent to. They were sent to their fellow countrymen and women, Jews. They, meant, uh, they, were, they were under, or meant to be under, what we call a theocratic kingdom. So, big word, really simple idea, is that, that God's in charge. Right? So, so that nation that Israel is or that was set up by God was also ruled by God. So, so anything that had to do with faith, community under God's ideas and under his authority, they were supposed to embrace. That was their identity. He was their authority. It didn't work like that, just like today. It doesn't work like that everywhere in the world. 
But for them, this is specific and, and important. So the Jews' context specifically, their culture, traditions, practices, practices should be lived out with an understanding that there's a, a connection to God in every aspect of their lives. That did not apply to the nations outside Israel's borders. You hear me on that? So important. So when they went to knock, knock dust off their feet, it was just a message sent to Jews, to their own people. Not to the Gentiles, not to, unless you're Jewish, not to you and me. It was just for them. So with that in mind, judging any type of person or group outside this context for you and me probably doesn't work. And we're not sending a good message about the heart of God to people. The shaking off of dust carried a different kind of weight in their context than it does for us. So with these verses, what weight is being carried for us? Uh, peace. Sharing non-judgmental and unoffendable peace with those around us. Which, this is the hard part for me, <laughs> which begs the question, are you and me carrying peace? Are you carrying peace? Because this mission that Jesus gives us doesn't really hold any weight for you if you don't. You're missing a key component here. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Almost got it all in one breath. And I don't think it's much to say or it's hard to notice that peace is a characteristic of an attribute of God. I'm going somewhere with that. 2 Timothy 1.14, guard there through the Holy Spirit who lives in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So, sum it up between these two verses. We have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. If we walk with Jesus, if we follow Jesus, if he is our God and our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we also have all that fruit existing and living in us as well, including peace. Let that sit for a second. Including peace. So if you have Jesus in your life, I'm going to sum it up for you. If you have Jesus in your life, you already have peace. It literally exists in your bones right now. Even if you don't feel like it, it's there. As followers of Jesus, we aren't living in, uh, if we aren't living in peace, it's not because we don't have access to it. And I'm preaching to myself here for a little bit. I'm not out of the woods on this. If we have no peace, it's because we don't know peace. Jesus is peace. The Holy Spirit is peace. The Holy Spirit brings peace with him when he enters your life. So you have peace if you have God. 
It's not be, if you don't have peace, it's not because of the traffic, the president or Democrats or Republicans, your teacher or your kid's teacher. It's, it's not because someone posted on social media and blasted you. By the way, quick plug, I did want to say this. It is healthy to take a break, especially in this season from social media. So uh, I have been doing it intuitively. I'm forgetting to go back to social media because I think I don't really want to sometimes. But it's good to take a step away from it, even if your job requires you to, to be involved with that. It's okay. Take a break for a day. If the Lord has it for you. Take a break for a week. But get some, get some reprieve so that you realize you do have peace in your life. Peace is not everything is well either. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is really simply this, and this is how we're defining it today. Peace is knowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit are present in your life and in the world around you. The more we surrender to the Holy Spirit uh, and his presence in our lives, the more his peace will actually be present. You will actually tangibly see it. You will be aware of it. You will know. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. And this is out of the NLT, by the way. I thought it was worded in a way that I could understand. Uh, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As I was, uh, as I was thinking through peace, this story kept coming up in my head. Well, it was an experience I went through, but it's turned into a story um, from a former high school student of ours here at the church, uh, still attends here. Her name's Emily, but a few years ago, I'd been teaching the high schoolers uh, on Sunday mornings about really a lot of this, about living with that character that God gives us um, that might cause people uh, to ask the question, why or how are you living like that, you know? And then encourage them to actually go talk about Jesus when that question's brought up. Like, to actually, like, oh, that's an opportunity for me to engage in conversations. So go do that. And during a couple of these talks, we had a student, uh, Emily, who was clearly upset. And so, hopefully, as a good pastor and shepherd, I, uh, I made it a point to go check in with her and find out what was going on. And it turns out she hadn't made a decision yet. She hadn't decided to give her life to Jesus. And after a couple of weeks of conversation with her, I found out um, that she was having a hard time trusting. She was really pretty afraid to trust Jesus with her life because she didn't want to believe in something that wasn't true, like some of her past religious experiences, which to me made a ton of sense, right? Like if you've had past religious experiences, experiences that have hurt you and harmed you to now get presented with Jesus and, and go, yeah, you can totally trust him. That person's going, uh, oh, okay, yeah, sure, right. Like, let me take a, a week, a month, a 
a decade to figure that out. So in that moment, I had to ask God, how can I help her? What can I say, God, to like let her know that maybe she could actually trust you and that this is true? And 1 John 4, 18 through 19 came to mind, and we ended up reading that together, but that's that whole uh, part of the Bible that says, perfect love casts out fear. And so I shared with her that if you trust God, if you trust Jesus with your life, you'll experience that love, and the fear should disappear. But I told her, hey, if it doesn't, please let me know, because <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> So she made the decision to trust Jesus and give, her, uh, give him a chance. Here's the part that really stuck out to me. Over those next couple of weeks, I checked in with her as I saw her and asked her about, um, about how the fear was in her life, right? If it was disappearing, if it was going away. What was really interesting is she didn't talk about that anymore. She said, you know, I'm still... Figuring Jesus out, or, you know, I, I, I like it so far. I think I can trust him. I'm, I, it's going to take some time. But she goes, you know what, Chris, what I've noticed is I have peace in my life. And I was like, what? I mean, we're talking about fear. You have, oh, okay. I have peace in my life. So, okay. She goes, but that's really weird. Because like, and she said this, like, my life is still really crazy. There's a lot of hard things that are still going on, and she had a lot of difficult things in her life. She said, nothing's changed as far as my world, but I have peace. And again, that really stuck out to me. It's, it has stayed with me and affected me personally. It's changed my perspective on peace. Peace isn't everything is going to work out or always be okay. The world's still chaotic and sometimes scary. The circumstances, circumstances haven't changed, but the presence of God in your and my life has. That's, that's the secret, which isn't so secret. We're letting, it out of the, we're letting it out of the bag right now. God's presence in your life doesn't necessarily change everything around you, but it changes you. And that's it. So peace is the confidence that God is present and trusting that he is at work. It is that simple and that difficult for us as human beings. But there's hope. So 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself. An old school way of saying things. Through, through Jesus the Messiah, given the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. And in this moment, we're speaking for Christ, uh, for Christ himself. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. And this was the task given to the disciples as they carried God's peace from town to town, home to home. 
And if you haven't caught on yet, if you walk with Jesus, it's also your task. Carry that peace that is inside you everywhere you go. Because shoot, the world needs it. <laughs> what does that peace look like? Uh, it's kind of simple. Meeting a physical need. Uh, if you remember Luke 10, it says in there, heal the sick. If they didn't carry food and all of that with them, or I'm sure Jesus would have said, feed, feed people who are hungry. But heal the sick, meet a physical need, offer a word of encouragement, which is clearly what they were given to do, right? The kingdom of God is, is near, it's coming. It's, it's right here, it's now. Um, peace to you, all encouraging things. Or how about this, praying with a telemarketer over the phone, like Pastor Andrew encouraged us a few weeks ago. All of those things represent caring peace. Mother Teresa, maybe a poster child of this, who left Europe and her church to bring the peace of God to India. Her team provided food, clothes, and protection for the overlooked and oppressed. Despite the opposition from her own people, and despite the opposition from the Indian government and culture. She knew the cost to herself and to her friends that joined her in that call. And if you're like me, this is a candid moment, if you're like me and you hear a story about someone like Mother Teresa, you go, uh, yeah, but I'm nothing like her. <laughs> And, uh, and I, don't, I don't have superpowers. I'm not that courageous. That's some special gift that God has given those, kind of, those people, right? To go do this sort of thing. But as I've been studying and thinking through this more and have had words spoken to me, I am convinced that that's just not true. I have to accept that courage is just a choice. Literally, that's it. I hate that I'm saying that right now, to be honest with you. I was like, I wish it was some superpower thing because then I'd have an excuse, but I don't. Like, you don't either. Like, courage is literally, simply a choice. In that moment, you either choose to or choose not to. That's it. People like you and me are faced with that decision every day. And it reminded, uh, and, and it was interesting because I had a conversation about this message with someone earlier this week, and they, they, dumped a couple, uh, they dumped a couple of these truths on me, and they said, there's never been a time, Chris, that God has not been at work. And we asked God, uh, sorry, we asked, what is God at work doing around you, or us, Right? But he said, the real question becomes, will you choose to align yourself with God? So really, are you willing, am I willing to say, God is already at work over here. Am I going to join him? Am I in? Am I willing to do it? And that's that, that's that decision-making moment, right? To choose in and choose courage, or choose out, and miss out. Watch, essentially, kind of from the sidelines. 
was a hard decision. <laughs> Jesus says to the disciples in Luke 10, verse 6, and I'll read a little bit of verse 11. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. The choice that we have to make, that point from courage to involvement, so often we take out the most crucial part, and that's God's presence. That's the peace. Are you guys catching this? Like, like I, I'm guilty of this. I look over there, and I don't see that transition as filled, that space filled up with God. He's already there. He's already been there. And he's just saying, you want to get in? I'm, you're invited. Like, just come on, show up. And all those fears that we have can be put to rest because we realize we have peace. We have the peace. We've got himself in our lives. And I love that that Jesus doesn't leave his disciples hanging. So in verse 11, that second half, he says, yet be sure of this. I don't think it was so much for the people that they were talking to. It, this was a little side note that Jesus was giving to his disciples as they were, on, they were getting ready to get, hit the road and do this thing. He says, yet be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near. He's saying, hey, God's with you. So don't worry about it. He's already gone ahead of you. He's going to be with you literally as you're walking down the road. Like, like if he sent you on mission, he's going to see you through that mission. Jesus wants us to remember that as we test the waters, there will be people that respond, that he's got something at work. Something is happening. Something is going on. And Lynn Corey, who wrote Jesus' Secrets, calls those who are willing to respond to our presence, our message of peace, a person of peace. Kind of odd, but, but it makes sense. This is a person who is looking for and desires and wants peace in their life. They are people God is at work in. There are people around the world that have the sense that someone like God exists and is out there. They are open to our presence in their lives, and this is where we get an indication that God's at work. So how do we know who to talk to? Uh, I had this, I had this, um, I had this encounter during this last year at Home Depot with a guy. And until I was doing this message, I actually didn't realize, oh, I have a story about a person of peace. It's pretty cool. And I was looking, uh, I was at the PVC pipe aisle uh, uh, there, and I was looking for stuff for the youth ministry, some games we were going to do, and we needed PVC pipe because that's what we do in youth ministry. So, uh, so, I was standing there trying to make a decision about it, and I have this guy come fairly close, about as far as the table is from me, which, you know, during COVID time, some of us were like, wait, whoa, oh, everyone's usually spaced out these days. Like, what's going on? And turns out he was looking at the exact same thing I was. And I turn, I turn and look at him, and he has this mask on that made me start laughing out loud. It was a hand 
It was really well done, by the way. It, uh, he had a hand-drawn mouth, but it looked like a cartoon mouth. You know, with those big, cheesy white teeth and those weird, bulging red lips. Like, it completely covered almost the entire mask, and it looked hilarious on his face. I'm telling you. Like, it looked straight out of the cartoons, and I was going, that is not his real smile. Um, and it was hilarious, and it made me smile. I had my mask on so you couldn't see it, but I laughed out loud. And the guy looked over at me and I said, hey man, that is a great mask. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It got, it, it's making me smile. I know you can't tell, but it is. And he goes, oh, thank you so much. And he starts talking about the mask. But what I didn't know is there was more on the agenda than just a mask. He starts telling me about why he wears the mask and what, where the idea came from. That everyone's stressed out, and everyone's having a hard time. And so he just was hoping something would bring a smile to someone's face, and I said, mission accomplished. And, and he said, because things have been so hard. And I said, are you talking about you or, or things around, around us? He goes, yeah, both. Well, it turns out this guy lost his house in the Paradise Fire. The campfire. And he said, ever since then, he's got a place he's living in now. He's like, it's a nice place. But ever since then, he said, it feels like at every intersection, at every corner, at every turn of his life, every time he has to make a decision, it's really difficult. And, and then throw a pandemic in there. And he said, man, people are going crazy. And it just, I'm having trouble holding on. I'm having trouble holding on to peace and hope. He goes, I pray and I talk to God all the time. And he goes, but I've been wondering lately if, if he's listening. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> we just walked right into that. And I'm like, you couldn't, you, couldn't have, you couldn't have pitched an easier ball to hit out of the park, right? And the Lord helped me. And we, and we did. And I don't say I did, we did. The Lord gave me a word of encouragement for the guy. I'd already had it in my mind before he even shared some of this. And I was like, do I share that or not share that? And as he just unloaded, I was like, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, this has definitely got at work here. And so I, I, I unloaded what I thought the Lord had for him. He starts crying and saying, thank you so much. You have no idea how, this, how much this means to me. And I said, well, I... I do, I believe in Jesus, I, 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 I live my life with him, and, and I believe he gave me that for you. And he just, <laughs> ugly tears behind the mask. And I stood right there, and I said, can I pray for you? And we prayed right there, in the aisle. Just a blessing, a word of encouragement, and for more opportunities for him to hear that God sees him, and that he's known, and that he's walking this thing out with him. So how can we tell if that's a person of peace? Well, they welcome you in. Sometimes, sometimes uh, physically, sometimes verbally, like in a conversation with a guy wearing a smiley face mask. This is an obvious effort on their part to engage you with hospitality or a conversation across the fence, over the phone or Zoom, in the line at a grocery store or a hardware store, or maybe in the parking lot. There's an, uh, number two, there is an interest in you. 
your peace, your joy, and your presence in, the, in their lives at that moment. If someone is taking a genuine interest in you, there's probably some work to be done. It's that simple. So ask the Lord, hey, what's going on? And wait until you get a clear direction to go, but have a conversation with that person. And lastly, and maybe the most obvious, they inquire about Jesus or engage you in a conversation about Jesus. If that's not obvious enough, I don't know what will be. That's like a two by four literally hitting you and going, this is your moment, so take it. The person of peace is the one we focus on. There's a lot of people that are around us all the time. But, but the person, the peace, is the one God is sending us out to. Okay? So if they fit in one of these three, engage. Go for it. That's, that's your person. Those are your people. Why? Because those that respond, those persons of peace, are where God is doing something. And you want to be doing what God is doing. You want to join him in the work. God is sending us out to catch up with where he's already there. There's something that God wants to contribute to that person's faith and their life that draw them closer to his heart. So Philippians 2.10 says, God is the one who began this good work in you and P.S. and others. And I'm certain that he won't stop before it is complete on the day that Jesus Christ returns. So here's a little truth from that. When God starts something, he has a plan to see it through to the end. He has no plans to stop the work. His only plan is to finish the work he starts in you and in the people that you're going to meet. Like those persons of peace, if he started something, he has a goal to finish. He's not someone who leaves things open-ended. It's not how he works. So if you're on assignment, Step in because he wants to get something done. And that should give you some confidence because you should actually have a sense now that you're going to succeed. There's going to be a win in this. How great is that? Like God invites you into work that you're going to win at. <laughs> Don't we wish we all had that in every aspect of our life, right? We have the guarantee that God's like, I'm, I'm here. I'm already doing something. I just need you to contribute. Here's, here's, the, here's the last part of all of this that I kind of, I didn't want to walk out of here today without saying some of this. Not every encounter with a person of peace leads to them being ready to give their lives to Jesus. Hear that, church, okay? Sometimes it's not their moment. Like Emily, it took, it was a couple conversations. And really that work had started long before I even knew her. And there were things along her road, her, her life, her path that led to that moment. I just got the opportunity. How cool is this? I got the opportunity to be invited into that moment where her whole life changed. I've also been on the other side of things as a youth pastor where I've watched somebody else have that moment. Just as cool. Our encounter may be a piece of the big work God is doing. So this can look like a one-time encounter or, a two year, a, or two years of building relationships and sewing in like C.S. Lewis's friends did in his life. We may be in for a long stay at the house, you know, like, 
Like it may not all wrap, get wrapped up the first time we have a conversation, but I want to encourage you that you need to continue to sow love and wait. You need to continue to sow with peace and wait. So carry peace. Be confident that God is present and trust him that he is at work in the person in front of you. And you might actually get tired. And you might be tempted to even be argumentative with that person or other people. If I can call you to anything, it would be this. This is out of Romans 12. In every situation, be at peace with all people. Allow peace to be real and present in your life. With your kids. Kids, with your parents. As my kid gives me the look. (laughs) With the person who just blasted you on social media. Be at peace. Because you have it. You carry it. Peace is a rare commodity these days, and I felt really sheepish writing that down and knowing I was going to say that, because I think that might be one of the most obvious things to say in this season. Peace is a rare commodity. Carry peace so that when you talk about Jesus, people believe you, because people are looking for it. They're looking for this. They're looking for Jesus, whether they know it or not. So let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Help us to recognize that we're people of peace. That if we we have a relationship with you, Holy Spirit, you living in us, then we literally have peace already. You are present. You are able to do abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine. This is the God, this is the peace we have inside us. I declare that over us, Lord. And I ask you to seal that on us today. That this truth would sit with us, that it would live with us, and it would would go with us wherever we go. And that if there's someone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, doesn't have you, Holy Spirit, inside them, that today would be their day that they would invite peace into their life, permanent peace. That you would, you would make a way for them to do that right now. In the name of, the, of Jesus, our God and our Savior, amen. Prayer folks, if you guys could come down front, um, we'd appreciate it, thank you. Last thing I wanted to say was this. That if you are a person who doesn't carry peace because you don't know Jesus yet, come down and receive peace from people who carry it. Like, the people up front here are people who actually carry peace. Why? Because they have the Holy Spirit in them. They have God living inside them. So come down and receive some of that from them today. And the rest of you, if you carry peace, what are you doing? Give it away. Like, we got a world that is hungry and starving and drooling for a bit of peace. Go give it to them. Don't wait. You're on mission now. You have our blessing. You have permission. God has commissioned you. There's no excuses anymore. Just go. Do it. This world, this city, this state will be a better place because of you. Because of you being on mission and joining the work God's doing. So we bless you in the name of Jesus. We love you. We'll see you guys next week.